Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. Coming up in this episode, we'll hear from Mark Douglas, who answers your questions on the Newcastle United Takeover saga. We'll also speak to the MP for North West Durham, Richard Holden, and Chief Executive of the Newcastle West End Food Bank, as he reveals how the Reuben Brothers Foundation helped the charity during lockdown. All that and much more to come on the Everything Is Black and White podcast. Welcome to Chronicle NUFC over on Facebook, joined by Mark Douglas. Mark, another busy week in the world of Newcastle United and the ever ongoing saga, which is the takeover. Uh, lots of pressure being applied. From what you've seen in the last week, how important is the pressure being applied by MPs and, of course, by the fans who've signed a petition? Um, well, more than 100,000 people have signed the petition. How important do you think this pressure is for the outcome of the, the takeover? Well, it's, it's one part of, of, of the pressure, I think one part of, uh, of, of the new strategy, if you will, by the, by the consortium um, to try and force some answers or to force some recognition, I think, from the Premier League of some of the issues that, that, have been, um, that have been raised. I think I think the problem for us at the moment is necessarily knowing the next step. Um, you know, a lot of talk of, you know, this, this could do this, this could do that, this could do the other. Um, I, I don't think at the moment anybody knows the next clear way of actually forcing the hand of the Premier League to to, uh, to issue these uh, to issue some form of um, a, a reply to um, the criticisms that have been made of them by the consortium either. And I think that that really is um, is the issue for us here. But pressure is what's been asked for by the consortium, and I think that the Newcastle fans have responded fantastically to that in terms of the emailing um, politicians who they feel can maybe have. An impact in trying to get the Premier League to come out and talk. Um, there, there remains some form of sort of dialogue, I think, between all the different parties. Um, but at the moment, it's not meaningful dialogue in that you know the, the, the bid's still withdrawn. There isn't um, you know there, there isn't necessarily at the moment a pathway to actually get takeover done. And I think that's possibly where um, you know where this this whole thing. Um, you know, there is the uncertainty around around it because at the moment we just do not know how the pressure is going to transfer into the, the takeover actually being done. But obviously it's a positive that, the, that all the parties are still um, are still involved and are still in dialogue. Um, but, you know, I don't have the answer and I don't think the consortium have the answer either as to how that converts necessarily into the Premier League actually um, actually doing the, uh, doing the business and, and, and getting this takeover ratified. I will invite questions and comments if we put them underneath this live stream and I'll get them over to Mark. Just first, so we're just going to show the front page from Monday, which was this, you know, it's a very simple question. Why? We want answers off Richard Masters. Newcastle United fans want answers. Mark, you played the role in this, um, the, the, the big tune survey over on our website. 
let's just talk about the response. And we can see there on the bottom of the page, you know, 94% blame the Premier League for the deal collapse and 92% still want the deal to go through. Um, and 95% think the Premier League has an obligation to explain what happened. I guess, expected results. But, you know, what's a response from our readers and from the Newcastle United fans? Yeah, I mean, 7,000 in seven days is, is unprecedented for that survey. You know, I think we've had, um, you know, we've, we've probably had similar numbers, um, but over two, three, four weeks um, in the past, it, it's, this was 7,000 in seven days, which I think tells you everything you need to know about how passionate Newcastle United fans feel about this. Um, I think that, you know, they're doing it in the right channels when they're, you know, working within UST. Um, we feel that, you know, it was, it was always important. You always kind of have some people who doubt whether it's worth filling in the form and filling in the survey. Our point is always that, you know, look, I think it's all very well making your voice heard on social media and shouting, but sometimes that is a little bit like shouting into the void because it's very easily ignored. Um, you know, I know from, from experience, you know, that, that, the anger on social media is fine, but it, you know, if it, if it gets too shrill, you just block it out. And I'm sure that there'll be a lot of people um, in high offices just blocking all of that out. You know, and, and there's been some some pretty poor things as well on there as well. I've seen some kind of abuse and things like that that I, I don't think is right. You know, people um, posting personal details and things, which which is just that, that's just not the way to go. The way to do it is to work with the NUST, respond to what the NUST are asking you to do because they're obviously working with Amanda Stavely. And and I feel like the reason that that front page carries weight is because, you know, we obviously have a certain amount of uh, sway, a certain amount of um, cachet and, and reputation in, in certain uh, at national level. And if they can see that we've got sensible, uh, considered answers from Newcastle United fans, which I think we did, um, then it obviously does. It's another thing to add this idea of pressure, which has obviously been, um, which has obviously been building on the Premier League as well. So far, they've not responded. Um, I'm not sure whether they are going to respond at this point because I think they'll be thinking that um, to an extent, if the, if this consortium is still interested, if they say something, um, if they uh, come out with a statement, are they prejudicing? a potential future um, application through the owners and directors test. Now, that's one of the things that, that you know, has been suggested to me as well. Um, but I think you know, their, their stance at the moment feels totally untenable. Um, but we're in this familiar, very familiar from a Newcastle United perspective, feeling of kind of like, where do we go now? Nobody really knowing the answer. Um, but, but believe me, there are, there are things going on behind the scenes. Um, I don't think it's necessarily right to reveal too much about what is being done behind the scenes because I think at the moment it's, you know, it, it really is people saying this and saying that. And, and I don't think there's necessarily anything particularly substantive. But there certainly are um, things being kind of done behind the scenes. I think we saw with Mike Ashley, you know, still in dialogue with the group. That That's true. I know that for a fact. I know that the group had another meeting on Monday in which they were discussing the way, the way for things to go move forward. So, you know, all of that's positive. You know, they wouldn't be doing that if there was absolutely no way forward. Um, but in terms of the actual, you know, actually what this this is doing and those front pages are doing, you know, I don't really have the answer as yet, but I know that it went down well with the consortium and it did, um, you know, and it, it's pretty much what they've been asking for, which is pressure. Um, I know that there's a cross-party um, uh, letter going to the Premier League um, signed by a lot of MPs, I think, this week, which is, again, um, by the NUST so they're working really hard to kind of push that as well um, and then really it is down to 
um, you know, can the Premier League withstand the, the the idea of saying nothing for weeks and weeks and weeks on end? I'm not sure they can. But we'll see where things go from there. You would think the pressure being applied, especially now that it has gone down the political route, Richard Masters or the Premier League will have to say something at some point. Let's just mention the NUST. You know, they've done a great work over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, there was another statement from Amanda Staveley who spoke about how the consortium had been humbled by the response. I don't think they perhaps thought they'd get the response they did through their MP uh, letter initiative. Obviously, the petition as well um, has been well over 100,000. Um, you know, it just it just appears that Amanda Staveley and the consortium have been thoroughly impressed with the reaction of the Newcastle United fan base. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, there's, there's a fair amount of cynicism out there as well by people who aren't in the Newcastle United fan base about um, what is happening with the consortium, the way that they're um, the way that they're going about things. I think we have to acknowledge that there are two sides to this story. We've obviously been um, dealing with um, dealing with the consortium. I think that they've been now freed from the NDA and are speaking a bit more freely about about what is going on. Um, and you know, I think that's that's a good thing. I think it shows that this deal as far as they're concerned, is not dead yet. Um, although the PIF are saying that it's not a tactic. Um, and I don't think it, it's necessarily a tactic by that stretch of the imagination, but they're harnessing the, the sort of energy and the desire of, let's be honest, the vast majority of Newcastle United fans for this for this deal to, to get done. So, I, you know, I think they've probably been surprised at how much people have rallied behind them, but they must have known that there was a, a, huge, amount of, uh, a huge amount of interest. That's probably why they've asked people to get get on the backs. What I think I would like to hear in the next couple of weeks, um, if nothing happens, is a, you know a, a way that they feel that this deal can be done now because they've asked for pressure. They get, they've got that. The fans have done their part. Um, and I think the consortium now, and I'm hoping that behind the clo- closed doors that they are looking at different ways of doing this. They've got a lot of advisors. They've got a lot of, um, a lot of PR firms. They've got a lot of advisors, a lot of strategic advisors working in this group. I would hope that they are spending this time um, looking at ways that they can potentially change the narrative now. Um, obviously, I think we have to accept that there are not going to be a lot of there are not going to be a lot of ways that they can speak about that in public because the best way to do this really, I think, has been behind closed doors so far. It obviously hasn't had the impact that. Um, they obviously didn't have the effect over the 17 weeks that they wanted it to. They've now gone public, tried to show the strength of feeling in the Northeast behind this as well. Um, but we really need to know now what they're planning to do, how they're planning to meet the fans halfway as well. And and I do believe that you know that they aren't um, they aren't stupid. They know that they need to they need to do that as well. Um, they've clearly been quite cute in putting all these statements together as well. But you know. There's no doubt that they know now, and I think probably they, they realise that there's an absolutely huge amount of public uh, support for their for their group. Um, you know, I've been privy to some of the plans that they've had, which I think now most are out in the public domain because of um, because of the, the way that uh, things were briefed after a couple of weeks ago. Um, and they they do sound like impressive plans. You have to be honest, and the kind of money that they're talking about would unlock a lot of think unlock a lot of doors for Newcastle. Um, you know, I think they'd have, they'd have questions to answer uh, when this deal's done. You know, look, people who, you know, I, I'm supportive of this idea of, of the takeover bid going through, but I think I'd have questions for them as well. And um, in particular, questions about things like human rights um, and, and piracy as well. Like, we, we'd have to ask those questions. But I think those have been the big issues that have been um, spoken about in the last 17 weeks. I think now, at least, 
you're getting people seeing that you know the reason for the support in Newcastle is not just because fans want to buy uh, fans want club to buy the big money signings it's because actually they believe in the people involved in the bid it might be proved wrong in time you know they might not be the right custodians for the football club but Newcastle fans have looked at them they've heard what they've said they've looked at the people involved and said actually we do we do believe in them um, and they probably, let's be honest, Newcastle fans are aware of all the negatives and aware of all the, na- the things that have been said about them, but have still um, thrown their weight behind this group anyway. And that has to be respected. Um, might not be agreeing with it, but um, I'm saying externally people might not want to agree with it, but it, it is it is there. And I think that has to be um, that has to be a factor in, in in moving forward now. It seems absolutely bizarre to me that there's um there is a uh, you know there's a, there's a, a buying group, a selling group. Um, and a fan base that are desperate for this to happen, um, but it's yet not happening. That is really strange to me. I, I've never known, um, you know, a group come in with the money that's wanted, um, and to be as wanted as they are, and for it not to happen yet, it, it, it seems bizarre to me. But they also have to, I think, um, come up with a change in their uh, in, in the way that they've tried to sell this um, as well, because you know it's obvious that the privacy questions haven't been answered, and the um, control questions haven't been answered. Well, so they have to. They have obviously. They might not agree that, that they haven't come up with the, the ways that the ways um, to answer those questions, but they're going to have to change tack a little bit because it's obviously not been enough so far. Let's dive into uh, the comments. Then we've got one from Lee Robson here, who says, "Guys, do you think there are bigger questions that need to be answered about the Premier League uh, concerning theories such as a top six bias or influences?" from Qatar. We've all probably seen the theories pushed on social media. Um, I think the top six bias is is one that, you know, a lot of people are asking about, Mark. Do you think that needs to be looked into? I, I don't think, so my, I think the, the problem that they've, that we've had with this, with this is that it hasn't been a clear um, criteria for, um, for rejecting this. So I think that, or it hasn't been rejected, obviously, but what we needed to see is if this deal is not acceptable to the Premier League, what is the basis for it? Because at the moment we have a lot of things said around the deal. Now, I don't believe personally, it's my opinion that I don't believe that the top six have torpedoed this deal. Um, I don't think that um, the clubs at the very top end would be, um, would, would necessarily want that uh, would necessarily block this deal, or that they would have any ways of blocking this deal. They might have, you know. I, I think that probably what you have is that some of these clubs have spoken out against it because, um, you know, they have probably have commercial relationships, or they've, um, you know, they will have looked at the way that being have spoken about it and said, well, being or our potential commercial uh, or our big. You know the TV deal is is a huge thing, so they will have spoken about their reservations about the deal. I'm, I'm absolutely convinced of that. But whether they've actually been able to lean on Richard Masters and the Premier League, I have less. Um, I have less belief in that. I, I really don't believe. It. I think when you talk about conspiracy theories, I think there are you know there are people who've said stupid things. Richard Keys, for example, talking about his relationship with the with Gary Hoffman. Now, Gary Hoffman, by the way, is somebody who worked for Northern Rock and was a big supporter of Newcastle United um, when Northern Rock were a, um, were a sponsor of Newcastle United. So there's, there's two ways to look at this. That, that's not really been mentioned in any of the um, in any of the comments and any of the things that we've seen on social media. Um, there's been a lot of people whipping up 
things that you know that, that, that maybe do need to be let's be honest they do need to be answered you know I, i'm not one for conspiracy theories to be perfectly honest but i look at things like the amount of influence that being sports have had in this process and the amount that they've talked about things and and you know that that has to be answered because being sports are an absolutely key um commercial sponsor for um Premier League, there can be commercial partners for the Premier League and for a lot of other major sports uh, sports bodies as well. But they're not, you know, they shouldn't. They are a commercial organisation at the end of the day, and obviously, you know, they are engaged in this proxy war that we've had to talk far too much about. So, you know, it shouldn't be down to them. But obviously, the piracy situation is 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 one that um, is one that I think has been absolutely massive in this. Um, so, you know, if it is the piracy is the issue, it's not necessarily that being sports have had a big big part in it but it is that you know that has been an issue the way that you get rid of conspiracy theories is that you're open and honest and you you talk about um you address these issues and the premier league you know probably need to do that being sports speaking as they have and uh, and being quite honest about their opposition to the deal has created this resentment if you will from newcastle united funds so it's to be expected you know if if you're going to fight the war that way if you will then then it it, it Unfortunately, you then have to kind of put up with the fact that there are going to be people saying that you've had too much influence. Um, but I don't believe the top six thing. I think that being sports have had an influence because you know their it's their content that has been stolen by the outcue. Um, and I think that you know realistically that that was an issue. That is a massive issue. It should have been talked about because it is the entire business model of the Premier League. Um, I think that the demand for answers is is absolutely right. The demand for this deal to go through, if there are very, you know, very uh, important issues that are being raised, and you know, it's not just that the Premier League have listened to, you know, I know that some people said oh, they listened to Richard Keys or Gary Hoffman's had it. I don't believe that. You know, it's a, it's been a big, it's been a very long process. Um, but then I I speak to the consortium and they say that they've found it impossible to work with the Premier League. They allege. That they received assurances very early on from people connected to the Premier League that this deal would go through. I think that's an incredibly serious accusation that the Premier League need to answer. If that was not the case, the Premier League need to say that. Because if it was the case, then why has this deal suddenly become so difficult to do? Um, I think we can't look any further than piracy. Um, you know, I think the, the idea of the structure of the deal, um, they've obviously had problems with the way that it's been sold because I think in practice, what the consortium were arguing was that 80% is, uh, belongs to the PIF, but a 10% partner in Amanda Staveley would do most of the day-to-day running of the club. Now, the Premier League probably turned around at this point and said, well, if the ultimate owner of the PIF decides he doesn't like what Amanda Staveley is doing, how does that work? And I suppose those are then the questions that need to be answered. But I think probably they could be... Um, you know, they could have if, if be resolved at some point. Um, but it, it really is this piracy thing. You know, I think that at the top and bottom of it is unless there's some movement, some real serious movement between um, Saudi Arabia uh, to, to, you know, pacify being sports. If, for me, it's difficult to see how that changes in an instant. It may be that, um, you know, that I know the consortium have said they've satisfied all the piracy issues. Um, so again, it's, one side and another side, isn't it? And, um, you know, we, 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 we remain to see, you know, could, there could be some horse trading behind the scenes that we, that we haven't seen yet. Um, but we were told during this process that 
um, the Saudi Arabian attitude to piracy had changed. You know, they, they provided proof of that as well. Um, and then basically said that the Saudi Arabia would bid for the next um, the next set of Premier League rights and would probably bid a heck of a lot more than the being sports have, have, um, have paid. So, you know, it, it's difficult to see at this point how that changes without a change of attitude on either side. Um, and that's where I think when I went back to what I was saying earlier, you know, what is it that the consortium are going to offer that, ch- that changes the um, that changes the agenda? Because pressure is all very well, but I, I can't see the pressure changing the Premier League's attitude to a lot of these things. I can see it forcing them to to go back into dialogue with the consortium. Definitely, I can, I can see that, but it doesn't on its own resolve the issues. There will have to be some movement from um, both sides for this takeover deal to get through. Is that um, likely? I don't know because it hasn't been likely in 17 weeks, but it could be likely moving on if they feel like, look, we've got to get this deal done. Everybody wants it to get done um, and it's just not worth your while objecting to it. And then I could I could see that at some point happening, um, but it's going to be a long-term thing. And I think Newcastle fans maybe need to get their heads around that, that this is going to be a long war of attrition unless something major changes in the attitude of one or another side, which I think is unlikely. It may be incremental changes. Um, and obviously that leaves the way open for other people to come in and buy the football club as well, which we haven't mentioned yet. Well, we're well, going to mention them now. And obviously Henry Maurice is the name that pops up. There've been talks of others in the backgrounds. I guess, as Lee Ryder wrote last week, you know, Henry Moose has essentially been told that the table's there for you to to put the the offer on on it. So, is that going to be forthcoming? Do you think, from what you've heard, is Henry Moose a genuine bidder? It's so difficult to tell at this point. You know, Morris obviously has uh, um, two or three people that I know who've um, who I would trust have sort of verified um, him and believe that he he's his clear TV company are um, genuine bidders it's my understanding that, the, that if it is the case that there is there is somebody there they would have to have other backers there would have to be other people um, behind it so it may be that, that somebody else is, is there as well um, but I'm sorry but I'm going to be a little bit skeptical at this point because we were told in the process that a bid of 350 million pound had already been submitted um, and you know it had almost been accepted so if that's the case, surely it should move really, really quickly now. So that you know, we should hear about that in the next week or two. Um, if that's happened, if, if it's gone through, you know, we would. I was told that this week, I was told by somebody who's dealing with it, this week would be key. Um, but we may not hear anything about it. I've been having a really close look at Companies House and people um, who are linked to Henry Morris and people who and Henry Morris himself. I can't see any of these. Um, shell companies that are set up in order to get this deal through. Now, we saw the shell companies with um, Project Zebra. We saw the shell companies with the Bin Zayed group as well, um, you know, who, who obviously ended up, that ended up being a bit, of a bit of a farce in the end because it didn't happen. But we saw that those shell companies were set up. It's a very quick and easy process to do, but it's obviously an important one because it means you're transferring the shares from Mike Ashley's company into um, the hands of new owners. That was done with um, Amanda Stavely's group. It was done with Ben Zayed. It, it doesn't appear to, as of yet, happened with um, Henry Morris's group. Um, now, it may have happened in America, um, uh, which obviously did happen with, I think, the GACP group. 
Um, it, it could have it could have happened with, over there, um, but as of yet, it doesn't appear to have happened here. So, how close is that deal? We'll see. There are rumours that there are there is another there is there are uh, there is another interested party. Um, I was contacted a couple of times over the weekend by supporters asking me to verify that, which I've not been able to do yet. Um, and obviously, nothing's come out come out as yet. Um, but um, you know, there are there do seem to be other people interested as well. But whether Mike Ashley's going to get his three hundred million pounds in the middle of a pandemic, I'm not sure. I still err on the side that group consortium that are involved at the moment are still the most serious bidders. They have the money, they have the inclination, they've put in you know, over a year, well, longer than a year, I think, millions and millions of pounds into this um, into this, this bid. So I, I still regard them as the number one, um, as the number one um, candidates to take this, this, uh, this club over. And I think so does Mike Ashley, as you can judge by the fact that he's remained in dialogue with them. Just before we get on to planning for the, the new season, on Mike Ashley, he's at risk of maybe becoming the hero of this deal if his dialogue with the potential owners, with that consortium, can push the deal through. Talk of him regging a legal team if the bid doesn't get accepted by the Premier League. We've got John Malvin there asking, um, why doesn't the club send the Premier League a legal letter saying, you know, we need to be responded to within seven working days. Um, Mike Ashley and, and, and his legal team, I mean, will that make the difference, do you think, Mark? Well, it's difficult because, you know, again, the, the party have withdrawn the bid. They're not, it hasn't been rejected. So I would assume that Mike Ashley would be, I, I, I mean, look, Mike Ashley knows the value of um, his his own money, if he goes into legal battle with the Premier League, it's going to cost him um, uh, a lot of money. And I know from previous experience when it came down to Peter Kenyon um, that one of the things and one of the reasons why he's now asking for a non-refundable deposit on the football club is because he believed that he spent an awful lot of money on that Peter Kenyon deal um, last Christmas um, and it didn't get anywhere. And his feeling was he'd spent over a million pounds, I think, on the fees and things like that. And it didn't get anywhere. And, and you know, He's a man who's um, very aware of the bottom line. So will he go into expensive legal battle with the Premier League when it's over issues that he can't control? We remain to be seen. It's obviously it's an option open to him um, if he believes that he's missing out on 350 million. And I know that the, you know, that the consortium have kind of raised that, that prospect in the past. And, you know, of course he'll be looking, he'll be looking at all avenues in order to get, to get his 300 million. He he doesn't want to be involved with the football club in the post-COVID era because he, I think he sees, from what I've heard, he sees it as um, as a money drain now. Um, I know that the conversations that he had with Steve Bruce last week were pretty much along the lines of, look, you're going to have to, you're going to have to pay, you're going to have to spend what, you, what you've got. I, I'm not putting any more money in at this point because of various reasons. So he wants rid of the football club. Um, will he become a hero? Well, you know, I think hero is a strange, strange way of looking at it. But he's obviously a potential ally now. Um, look, I think it suits him to, to, to brief as he did on Monday. You know, I'm not saying that it's not true, but it, you know, the people that everybody's been talking about, the Keith Bishops of this world, and saying, "Oh, well, Mike Ashley, you know, the Mike Ashley lies and all that kind of idea." Um, look, it, it's it, those people are still there, and it, it obviously is good for them because it keeps the heat off their man to be seen that look he's 100% committed to this 
but I'm sure he has his reservations as, as everybody else does about what exactly has gone on behind closed doors. Um, so I, I'm kind of wary of the idea that Mike Ashley is going to charge in as a white knight um, because I think he'll be he'll be boxing smart on this. He'll be taking advice. He'll be wanting to know whether there's a chance of winning if he uh, if he if he deploys his kind of legal big guns. I don't think he's going to do that um, and just waste a load of money if he doesn't feel that there's an end game to that. Um, and as of yet, you know, as of going back to what I said at the start, we still don't have that. Uh, we still don't have that that end that end game. Um, we still don't know what what it looks like. Newcastle United being, you know, finally having this takeover and being approved. So, but I, I think he's obviously an ally. He wants, you know, he's now on, on record, I think a couple of weeks ago, saying he's fully committed to this deal. Um, and it's accurate. You know, the Sky Sports story was correct. He is still in, um, he's still in consultation. And I know for a fact from speaking to the consortium that they believe that he's not been an in, in, um, impingement to this to this deal, they believe that he actually, you know, I think he has in the past with Amanda Staveley and, and the way that's worked. They've certainly said in the past that he's he's been difficult to work with. Um, now a deal's been agreed, and he doesn't, uh, you know, he's not he's not um, he, he's not standing in the way of it. In fact, he seems to be trying to work with the Premier League to find a different way of, of getting it. It all adds up to the fact that this isn't dead. Um, so I suppose that. Is the biggest positive that I can I can come out with, and you know I'm in regular dialogue with people involved in this. Um, it's just the Premier League. I just don't have the context of what the Premier League think, um, and nobody does at this point. And that is, I think, um, you know, that is, I think, the, the key thing at the moment. We just none of us know what the Premier League think, and um, you know they should really now be talking and communicating. So we'll just take a quick break there from Mark Douglas and that gives me the opportunity to introduce Richard Holden, the MP for North West Durham. He is one of 40 MPs to have sent a letter to the Premier League demanding clarity on the Newcastle United takeover. Here is a small snippet from our interview. The full interview will be available through our podcast channels later today. But here is what he had to say on what happens next if the Premier League retain their silence on the Newcastle United takeover. And if this silence does persist, because I understand not a single MP, and there's been a lot of MPs, have had a response from the Premier League, what happens next? Um, the, I, I must say, we haven't had, I haven't had a uh, response, and I'm not aware of anybody else having had a response either. But I understand that, there, that, that, that the concerns which have been raised have been noted already and that there are things moving along. I think there will be, I, I think there will be movement in this area. I don't know exactly when, uh, but I think there, this is exactly what we want to, what we want to see is movement. I don't need them to, you know, have massive public, I, I just, I'm interested in the end rather than in a sort of blame game now. Um, that's what's really important here is that if we can get this investment into the region, I know there are massive competing interests within the Premier League I, I, I do get that. I also see that there's probably little bits of geopolitics being played out here as well. Um, but I think in the interest of the region, you've seen how strongly you know, MPs from all sides across the country have come together on this. Uh, and I think it's a just it's so important for the region that we, you know, we need to see the Premier League really stepping up on this one. So there was MP for North Western Richard Holden with 
an interesting insight there into the process ongoing at the moment. You can hear the full interview later on through our podcast channels and it'll be online as well at chroniclelive.co.uk. Now let's head back and hear what Mark Douglas has to say about the preparations for the summer transfer window. On to the summer transfer window and obviously the season's going to be upon us very, very quickly. A few names that have been linked over the past few days. Uh, you wrote, I think it was yesterday, about Ollie Watkins down in Brentford. You know, 26 goals this season. A, a young striker. Um, looks like he's got a bit about him, but his price tag is not going to be cheap. It's going to be between 20 and 25 million um, at the very least. And if Newcastle and Steve Bruce only has 30, 35 million to spend, are they going to are they going to spend it all on on one strike or the, or the majority of it on one strike? Do you think? No, I don't think so. Um, I think that this is going to be a problem for Newcastle moving forward. That the prices don't seem to have dropped significantly, but the amount of money that people have to spend does does appear to have. So really, they need to they need to make a decision. I think it's more likely now that the uh, whoever comes in maybe is going to come in uh, on a striker. Basis is going to come out from overseas. The Ollie Watkins one's really interesting because uh, it was told, it was um, suggested to me that um, you know he that, that a lot of work had been done on that deal, um, but that was before maybe they realised you know the, the full extent of what of Newcastle's budget and the full extent of of what um, of what of not having takeover and what this uh, and what the situation is going to look like. So. Um, clearly, they've they've looked at a lot of different options, and I think they're probably making their inquiries now. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if you know the striker the striker is is either somebody from abroad or it could even be a season long loan. You know, we've seen in the past Newcastle have tried to get in players like um, Michi Batshuayi. Could it be somebody like him coming in for a season? I, I'm I'm not sure. You know, they are going to be although they. They're, Although they're going to work on the assumption that it's business as usual, they're also going to have to they're also going to have to box clever on the idea that if this takeover hasn't gone away, maybe they'll look and do what they did in January, which was the loans, the three loans they brought in to get them through the next season. We we you know we may have to look at next season as a job of you know again a bit of a salvage operation and keeping Newcastle in the Premier League, keeping things ticking over while this takeover stuff. Um, ticks along in the background, which isn't doesn't fill me with a lot of joy, to be perfectly honest. I mean, my one feeling about next season is that it's, when it starts, people's minds will be a lot more focused than they were um, for the games in the restart because, you know, as much as Newcastle United were, you know, not safe when things restarted, they, they effectively were. And when they beat Sheffield United, safety was assured um, in the first game back. So they really lost, you know, it lost a lot of edge. Um, it's going to be different the start of next season because we'll know that Newcastle United um, are going to be in a you know let's be honest they're going to be in they're going to be in a battle again with with 10 12 other teams to make sure that they're not they're not scrapping at the bottom of the table that's just the way it is um it, with this with this ownership and with this kind of uh, with the way that the club the club's working so it may be that you know that, that they end up saying right well we're not going to spend the big money we're going to end up going for um going for um big loan fees um, that can that can bring somebody in over the course of a season. They need a striker. They need a box to box midfielder, and they need um, to move out a bit of the um, a few of the fringe players who've maybe I think possibly come to the end of the road at Newcastle United, and they need to bring in a few replacements for them as well. So there's lots of work to do. Um, I think they're hopeful of doing something relatively soon. Um, you know, the season starts in a month, uh, but then there's quite a lot of time after that. Um, 
in October uh, for them to do business as well. So I don't think it's necessarily going to be that they do all their business very early on, um, but they do have they do have a couple of irons in the fire from what I'm from what I'm hearing, um, which is which is which is good. But they need probably I think the plan originally was to bring in one or two or three really quality players on on you know for a decent fee. Um, it may now be that you know that they're not going to be able to bring those players in permanently, and they may have to do loan deals. Um, for for uh, for the big players, which you know I know is not potentially what Newcastle United fans hear, but while all this uncertainty is still going on, um, I think it's just the way it is. Fantastic. And one name that has been mentioned is is Callum Wilson. We've got Jeff Hendrick. We've got the uh, the, the young force from QPR. That one seems to be gaining a lot of traction. Um, Callum Wilson though is going to cost you probably twenty twenty five million, and like you say, the, the prices haven't really dropped have they but obviously Hendrik free transfer um, the, the fella from QPR wouldn't co- cost the world are, are those the signings that you can see them making rather than like you said they're the, the big money ones I think the problem is it, it, it. I think Steve Bruce wants a proven goal scorer he wants somebody who he thinks is going to you know, going to going to hit the ground running in the Premier League. So when when we talk about Watkins, when we talk about um, uh, as a, um, a, a QPR, it's you know those are players that they've probably that they've looked at. In my, my understanding, is um, but it's whether you know they're necessarily the realistic top priorities for for Steve Bruce when he's probably looking at his goals, his, his the amount of goals in that squad, and thinking we haven't got enough keepers out of trouble. Um, so it, it looks to me more like they're, they're going to be. They're going to be looking for somebody more experienced. So that's where Callum Wilson comes in. He's a long-term target for Newcastle United, an England striker. You know, we saw with Danny Rose that, that you know Newcastle's a good option for a player who's um, who's maybe needs needs to be in the, the the window for international recognition. You know, he's it's, it's a big club. It's still a club that a lot of people are watching. Um, you know, it offers you a massive platform. And we saw with Salomon Rondon uh, two seasons ago, it transformed him. He went from being you know, a player that West Brom fans knew and people in uh, was kind of you know under the radar. So being one of the you know the, one of the bigger um, bigger guys in the league because he you know because he was wearing the Newcastle United shirt and scoring goals. And Callum Wilson, I'm sure, would be keen to come to Newcastle United. Um, he, he really would. But I think Bournemouth probably aren't going to be under a massive amount of pressure to sell. Um, you know, they, they're probably going to sell one of. Um, David Brooks or Josh King or Callum Wilson, that'll probably then mean that they could they could reinvest. I think what's going to be interesting for Newcastle will be whether um, they try and sort of do part exchanges and they try to put players in to try and be uh, you know part of these deals as well, which is which is obviously something they're going to have to do. They're going to have to box smart. Um, you know, I think the jury's out on whether Lee Charnley has been able to do that in the past. I think sometimes he has, um, but sometimes it hasn't quite worked out, and they've never really got the striker signings right you know you look at that that group of strikers that they've got there they've signed um white girl i think worked uh, in the championship still scoring goals in the premier league as well so i think he'll probably stay although he's one of their more saleable assets um Gillington hasn't worked at all you know he's not going to be the 20 goal a season or even 10 goal a season striker that they need mm-hmm. atsu um was a cheap buy um when rafa benitez wanted numbers in instead of just you know um, uh, short, like a, a small number of players coming in he wanted numbers and he got Atsu and just hasn't worked either um, Andy Carroll well you know I think Andy Carroll's an asset but 
isn't fit enough and I think he's probably going to play the same roughly the same number of games next season that he did this season as well so you know they haven't got a lot of goals in that team um, I think we have to kind of accept that and they're going to have to get somebody in um, and and it's just how they managed to do that but it wouldn't surprise me if it's a loan of an overseas loan um, bringing somebody in for a season um, and then you know maybe with an option to buy at the end of the season but I, you know at the moment you've seen with the loans that they brought in in January it doesn't look like they can sign any of them permanently so um, you know it doesn't necessarily not necessarily planning for the long term but it, it does get you over the line and maybe that's what they need to do this season stay in the Premier League and hope that this takeover situation resolves as early as possible so there we have the thoughts of Mark Douglas. Just to wrap up the show, we're now going to hear from John McCory from the West End Food Bank, who's provided a valuable insight into how the Rubens Foundation helped the charity through lockdown. Again, you can hear the full interview later this week and online at Chronicle Live. But here's a little snippet about how the Rubens are helping Newcastle. The irony about the um, coronavirus is we all put our best plans in place to try and respond to it and um, yes for some reason uh, it doesn't quite quite work out the way we had planned so that actually when to receive the um, donations often which included fresh fruit yeah it was it was overwhelming I gotta say it really was Um, and you know for us too Andrew the lovely thing is that when it's coming from other groups in the city, like the race course, it does make us feel, um, and especially our um, partnership with the NUFC Fans Food Bank, it just make does make us feel part of the the city. Uh, you know, a one city approach where everybody's pulling together. So yeah, we were overwhelmed uh, to receive that donation. Really, we couldn't had had we not received it, we'd be in a very different place in terms of meeting the level of demand. But the fact that everybody was pulling together uh, has made this so much more manageable. 